Hi there, I'm Lise, and I'm your host for the Creative Minds podcast brought to you by members. You guessed it. This is a podcast for creative minds where we discuss the creator economy, social media, communities, and the ups and downs in the lives of content creators. Here you'll find topics if you're simply curious about the creator economy or even if you're an expert in the field. Tune in every Thursday and get early access on members, downloadable on Google Play and the App Store. Hi all and welcome back to the Creative Minds podcast brought to you by members. It feels so good to be back to recording again. We did have a short break but I'm back in the studio today which just feels incredible and probably as you guessed from the title of today's topic I'm not alone. I'm joined by a true trailblazer in the UGC field. If you have no idea what UGC stands for, I have the perfect person to tell you all about it. So please give a warm welcome to one of my personal mentors and who I believe is the fairy godmother of all UGC, Lucy Dale. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on the episode with us today. So let's not keep blabbering on for too long and let's get right into it. So tell us, what the hell am I talking about? What is UGC content? So UGC content stands for user-generated content. It's typically the content that a customer of, you know, like a brand or a product provides. So most people are creating user-generated content all of the time and posting it on their socials, you know, creating brand exposure um, and everything. But specifically, like the UGC we're talking about is the page UGC. And so it's kind of like developed into an area where creators are actually providing UGC now because it just works better for a brand to have it by like for paying for it instead of getting it from a customer. But why so? I feel like if you're paying for content, um, the coordinating may seem like it takes a lot of time. If you can repost for free, why would someone or some brand choose to partner up in a UGC project? Yeah, so there's there's a ton of different reasons, to be honest. You know, you have to get permission to use people's content. And I think some brands aren't doing that. And they're still just, you know, like sharing and using content that's been shared on socials, on their websites and stuff. They're not actually allowed to do that they need to get permission and it's it's tricky business trying to get permission and you know people don't actually know what they're agreeing to when they're given these permissions if they're just a customer of the brand so that's one aspect of it and then the other aspect is often it's of low quality it's not stuff that they can actually use you know that the lighting is bad or they're waffling too much in in the story or in the post that you know there's, there's a whole range of different things that it could be but generally it's because there's just not enough quality coming from like a paying customer because that's not their job they don't know they're just raving about a product that they don't know that they need like for the brand to use it properly they need to be doing all of these things so that's where the creators come in how about you tell us how did you get into UGC so I actually I had no idea what it was and then I come across a TikTok video of a lady her name was Veronica I never know the account I can't remember who it was but she did all of these videos about creating TikToks for brands and that she was earning tens of thousands of pounds a month or dollars a month by doing it and I was like what the hell is that like what do you mean you're like I just didn't couldn't get my head around it and at the time I'd only just joined TikTok like I, I hadn't I wasn't using it through the pandemic or anything so I had really no idea what I was doing but I saw this video and I was like I could do that that sounds like something that I could do and mm -hmm. people that know me know that I literally try every I have tried every business I've done everything literally everything to try and not have to go back to my corporate job and so this come up and it was at the time it was just another thing that I was like yeah I'll give that crack and mm -hmm. it just ended up sticking and yeah it just really took off wow how long have you been doing it for so it's about six months now. In the beginning, I had no idea it was called UGC or what UGC was. I just was making some um, 
ads for companies. And then really no one knew what UGC, like paid UGC was then. Everyone was kind of just fumbling in the dark. And yeah, so it's really ramped up over the last six months to now a point where I make a really steady income from UGC. Um, it's been a wild ride. It's been it's been crazy. <laughs> so what is your professional background? So I um, work in banking. I'm from a very corporate background. I've been in banking for six years now, I think it is. And then prior to that, I was, you know, doing admin jobs here and there. But I'm on maternity leave at the moment due to go back shortly. But I thought I really knew I needed to find my passion and what it is I wanted to do in this maternity leave because I, I knew I might not get that again or, you know, depending on where I go in the future, I, this year off obviously it's hard work with a baby but I knew I had to use the time wisely and then I saw it and just had to run with it. Are you thinking of going back or is this your full-time job now? Yeah so originally I was not going to go back um, as soon as I realised that I'm I'm more than matching my income like my my salary with my content creation stuff however it's like just some personal reasons I'm and I'm thinking about getting like having another baby so to give up another maternity would be like really stupid on my part but my income from UGC has definitely or could definitely replace what I earn with the bank which is really amazing that I can do all that from my phone and yeah when I have a second child if I have a second child I don't need to worry about going back after them and leaving them so yeah that's truly the dream isn't it Mm -hmm. it always was I always even a few years ago before we even was planning to have a baby I was like I don't want to go back to work I don't want to leave I'm not I don't want to have a child just to leave them (laughs) just to leave them all day every day and never see them like that's not the reason I want to have a child. So I always knew in my head that some way I'd make it work. So yeah, if I wasn't planning a second child, then I would not be going back to work. I would say, right, this is it. But just got to be, got to be sneaky and strategic. <laughs> well, that's how you do it online. So for you, it wasn't like a dream job to have. Like you've never thought that you wanted to be a content creator or... I mean, I haven't, I haven't. So I always, ever since influencers become a thing, I've wanted to be an influencer. But I battle between wanting to share all of my stuff online and wanting a really private life. So I really chop and change between that. And I just feel like with the influencer lifestyle, like you're expected to have everything out for show. And Mm -hmm. I just don't like the aspects of it. So this seems like I really love creating content. I love making reels. I love making like videos and stuff. So this was the perfect compromise for that. I can do all of that and make money from it without having to share everything about me online and be open to that criticism from everyone and their mum. So it's always been in my mind. That's true. Uh, You really do have to put yourself out there. But a trend that I've seen with UGC content is that, of course, when you start, you know, doing it on TikTok and growing your account, personal account on TikTok, you ramp up quite a big, quite a big following. Do you even have to have a big following to start UGC? So I've currently built myself up to about 16,000 followers on TikTok. Um, I got my first client when I had two followers. So mm. absolutely, UGC, you do not need a following whatsoever. It, it can help because, you know, you you can like have spin-off like revenue streams by having your online presence. Um, and that's something that I try to strive for to have different passive income and all of that. But for UGC specifically, no, you I literally so as an example, my first client was Jack's Flight Club. And they're, if you don't know who they are, they're quite a big company now. They're in the US, they're in all around Europe. And they've got something like, I think they're like 300,000 followers on Instagram. And they hired me when I had two followers. And they knew that 
but they just liked my presence they liked how I carried myself on camera and that just goes to and I got them really quickly so it just goes to show that brand for UGC brands want your knowledge in creating videos and how you put videos together they're not necessarily interested in your own presence because not everybody's interested in that in my own case I wasn't interested in being an influencer so it's it's pretty much irrelevant to how I would work with a brand. But if I wanted to start UGC, where do you even have to start? If I was a new creator or if I was advising a new creator, a lot of people would say the starting point is creating your portfolio. It starts way before that you need to do your research. You need to know what you're doing and how to work with brands and how to deliver because if you don't know how to deliver to them like and how to actually create a winning ad or a really good piece of content for them, you're kind of going to shoot yourself in the foot because you're going to get one deal from them and then they're going to be like, hey, that didn't really work. And they're going to move on. There's so many creators, so they're going to move on. So doing your research, there's so many different places that you can do research to see what's working. Like TikTok Creative Center is literally a side platform to TikTok and it shows all of the top ads that are out there. And so if just analyzing them and doing your research, that would be the, the very first place to start. And then I would create a portfolio with things around my home, like products specifically that I would want to be creating for, for them brands. And then, yeah, going and creating my portfolio from there. Why is it important to build a longer content strategy with one specific client other than doing sort of these like, I'd say one night stands with uh, with like several pieces yeah, of content? Like a one-off deal. There's, I mean, there's different aspects of it. So from the creator side, you know, working with a brand long term, you've got more secure income. It's, you know, you've got the same money coming in every month or depending on like how you deal with them. But from a brand's perspective, it's very uncommon for them to purchase one video from a creator and for it to be a massive hit instantly. A lot of brands are chasing virality and that's just a whole different topic that we could get into. But if they don't get it with that first video, then they're going to a lot of the times they're like oh they they don't know what they're doing so they and they hop to create a, like from creator to creator so for a brand it's so much better to get maybe five videos from a creator because then they have a different pool to work from and to see okay that worked but that didn't work okay let's take that from that and then make it into that and they can just do so much more testing from it and like longer term you get more money from that because you're you're learning you just have a more you just have more data to work with But who's to blame? Like if uh, if you create the best content out there for a brand and it's just not happening on TikTok, it just doesn't hit the algorithm. The brand's perspective may be to blame the content creator. The content itself wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Who's to blame? Is there anyone to blame? The, the algorithm The blame. algorithm is to blame. Yeah. TikTok's to blame. It, you know, there's this is the thing. There's so many factors that go into it. Like there's, you can't pinpoint You can't just put the blame on one person. It could be on the creator because they haven't understood the target audience and what the target audience's pain points are and what they're trying to solve. It could be the brand because they don't know what they're doing with it. They don't have the right landing page when so the they've done the, the videos work, but when it gets to the landing page, it's not converting because they haven't sorted that. Or it could be the algorithm because you know it, it will like it or not, and people have different opinions on it. But the algorithm is the final deciding factor. So if there's something missing and the algorithm doesn't pick up on it, your your ad or your your piece of content is not going to hit right. So it's really hard to 
blame anybody. It's, it's like a, it's a joint effort. <laughs> but if you're on your UGC journey, you've just started out, how do you get over the fact that I have to approach these brands, I have to ask these brands to give me money, I may not know what I'm doing yet? How to get over that fear? There's, there's no way around it other than just being confident in your rates and being just being confident in yourself. And I know it's easier for some people than others. I luckily find that quite easily. Like I know what I can produce and I know that the brand will see results with it or um, as long as, you know, the factors are all in place. But it's just having the confidence. And when I first started, I had a bit of, of back and forth with brands and I'd say my rate and they'd be like, oh, bit too dear. And I'd be like, oh, OK, uh, we can we can lower it. That is the worst thing that you could possibly do, because then you one, you feel like you're not worth what you're the rate you're setting and two brands think they can take the mick out of you they think that they can just whittle you down and and it sets the bar it sets a standard for all of your future projects it's just having confidence and just literally put it out there and say this is my rate and this is what you will get for that rate if you wish to discuss different like deliverables then we can work out a different rate off of that but it's just having confidence in yourself and it's not only the content that you produce it's the hair and makeup that you do it's the the fact that you have to charge your phone to do it it's it's so much isn't it and the research the re a lot of brands don't realize the research that goes behind a video the concept planning and the, the scripting of it and the editing like editing is uh, it takes me five minutes to record a video but the editing may take me up to an hour depending on how in-depth it is so it's all of those things that go into it that often brands don't really account for but that's what you're charging for. And if they was working with a production company and then paying advertising rights on, on the TV, all of this stuff, paying actors, the bill would be so much higher. So it's always worth remembering that, like you are actually saving them money in the long run. So be confident. And these brands have budgets. They have budgets, yeah. honestly. <laughs> they do. Absolutely. I know that. <laughs> but so much goes into producing of course we know that now but ever so often you're or like for most of the time you're producing alone you don't have anyone else in your studio how lonely does it get very lonely that's probably the one thing I find the hardest with being a content creator is I'm in my house all day you know some people thrive in them in types of environments like at home I actually thrive in an office environment I just I feel like I'm under pressure so I get loads done whereas when I'm in my home I'm only I have to apply the pressure to myself rather than people around me so it is I find it lonely I don't actually work that well from home but I just you know I just have to be strict with myself so I don't I make sure I get out and you know I, I walk my dog so I, I meet people out and I have that interaction I'm very close to my family so I make sure I set time aside to go and do that and I take time for myself as well so although you know it's different when it's different than being in an office environment where you've got people to talk to all day long I get that interaction from my general living so like when I'm getting my nails done I get to talk to people and um, but it's just really key to make time for that and to prioritize that because it is so lonely and once you get it in your head like you might not even realize that you're feeling that lonely but once it's in your head it's such a downward spiral from there so it's really just about learning and understanding yourself and pinpointing that it's really important to recognize that before it gets too late because depression yeah. and anxiety and all that is just it's incredibly high with content creators and i feel like it's so sad that we cannot like all get into like one content creator space and all like do our stuff together. It because I know it just feels incredibly isolating and incredibly lonely when you're doing this all by yourself all day long. You have no one to ask for. It feels like you're all alone in your little 
bubble. We all know that social media is far from being social anymore. Do you have any other mental health tips on how to combat that lonely feeling or the fact that you're so isolated from from everyone else? Really just prioritizing breaks and prioritizing yourself. I have found that if you let the pressure build up, it gets worse. So I might overset my projects and deadlines and I won't be able to meet them. And in like initially, I'll feel like oh, I have to get all of this done. I've got so much to do. I'm, I, ca- I can't take five minutes for myself. But actually, nine times out of ten, most brands are run by humans. <laughs> so yeah. they understand. And I, I've had it quite a few times where I've been like, I just can't get this done. And I, I need a break. Like I need to just take five minutes. So as an example, one of my clients that I work with, love them. And I had I had COVID. I, I had it. I didn't. I didn't. Wasn't really really bad, but I was in bed with it, and I was stressing. I was stressed. I was like, I I don't have time to get COVID. This can't be happening. But I messaged them and I just explained it. And it was the, actually the first week I started working with them, and I was like, this is not a good impression to make on my first week working with them. But they were lovely. They were fine. They were like, no, you rest up. You take the time you need because. I think brands are slowly recognizing that when creators burn out, they're not going to get any more content. So mm-hmm. it's just about prioritizing yourself, you know, to a degree. Obviously, brands, you know, you need to your work, you're, they're paying you to do a job, so you need to get that done. But really prioritizing yourself and get outside. I always find when I go for a walk, it just clears my mind and I can, you know, put the stress of whatever's going on behind me. I feel that so much. I hadn't been out yesterday and I took the trash out. It wasn't that cold, but it was like sunny and there was like a cool breeze. And like the moment I stepped outside, I just felt like something smashed me in the face. And I was like, oh, this is lovely. (laughs) Like just those like 10 seconds, those 20 seconds that I was outside, just taking out the trash. It felt so good. It just refreshes you. It just just literally fresh air. It it works Mm -hmm. wonders and it's free. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So let's jump into something more positive. You mentioned before that it's possible to make a lot of money with UGC. So UGC is definitely growing. Just search UGC on TikTok. You'll see thousands of accounts doing the same thing. Does it get oversaturated? I personally don't believe in the term oversaturation. I I just don't agree with it. I think if there's a will, there's a way. And if you really want to succeed in something, you will make it work. If oversaturation was a thing, no beauty brands would be popping up every day. Do you know what I mean? So it's the exact Mm -hmm. same with UGC and people throw it out there. I personally feel like the term, like when someone is stressing that something is oversaturated, you know, they feel a bit threatened by it. If you're confident in your abilities, there's there are millions of brands on this earth. So, and mil- like thousands are being created every day. So, there's always going to be companies that want to work with you. So, I feel like if you let oversaturation stop you from going after what you want, you know, I just, I just don't agree. I don't agree with it. I think there's new creators popping up every day, and they're still getting work. And it's, it's like influencers. People said that influencing is oversaturated, but micro influencers are still getting so much work. So. Yeah, I just don't believe in it personally. That's comforting (laughs) to the people who want to start doing this. But how to pick a partner? So you're in the UGC space. How do you get yourself out there? There's a load of different ways. I think a lot of people focus on Twitter. On Twitter is a really good platform for people to connect with brands. I had it before I started. I 
I hadn't used Twitter for years, um, but it's a really good platform and loads of e-com brand owners are on there and they're, they're mainly the ones that I've come across that are looking for UGC content. So networking on there and I see a lot of people documenting their journey on there in the hopes of getting work and working with brands, but I think it can be a little bit off-putting for brands. So I would stick clear of that. I would just make connections. I would be engaged in conversation, understand what they're talking about. Like you won't at first, but you know, researching terms, like even when they put like ROAS, I was like, what the hell is that? And then I obviously realized that it's return on ad spend. I, I got that, but it's just doing your research and make sure you're learning every day and making connections every day, specifically on Twitter. And then also posting your work like on Instagram, on TikTok, post the work you've done, make it easy for brands to work with you. If you're thinking of working with a brand, obviously, if you join the team in a more natural sense, you join their marketing team, you know all the insides and outsides of the company. Uh, as an external factor, you may not know that. So do you have any advice to give for, to someone who has maybe chosen a shady partner or if you've been working with a partner for some time and it just now comes out that they're in, in a scandal, you have your face on one of their products or in their entire brand? How do you combat that? I mean, I think it would have to be assessed on an individual basis. So if I was working with a client, you know, and the relationship with me and the client was going really well and they did have a scandal, it would completely depend on how I felt about the situation. So it might be something that, yeah, they're having a scandal, but it doesn't really impact me and my beliefs and, and how I'm feeling about things. But if it directly impacts maybe a piece of content that I have produced that relates to whatever issue they're having going on, I mean, the thing with UGC is your your name isn't tied to a piece of content because it is you're a customer at the end of the day. You're not you're or you're posing as a customer. You're not actually set like posing as an influencer. That would be a different situation. Um, but yeah, it would it would have to depend completely on the situation. But I think not always, but in like most cases, you can kind of preempt things so getting on a call with someone really really early and having lots of calls with them just to really understand their ethos the way they treat their company that their values making sure that aligns with you I've worked with brands that like as an example their products don't align with me and I've had to make that decision to cut ties and say you know like I like it's really hard making that decision losing the income but staying true to yourself like that is that is a really hard balance to make sometimes I'm luckily at a point in my business where I can make that cut because I know I will find the work elsewhere and it will, it will align with me a lot better but yeah brands can be can be pretty sneaky as well with things like not on like the, on the brand aspect but just like the people behind them I've had I have worked with clients who have been very very rude and have tried to get content from me that they haven't paid for as an example so for one client specifically they didn't want to pay for raw content and if anyone doesn't know what that is that is basically when you send them the blank video without any text any audio all of that stuff they just get the, the footage for a brand that is really valuable and the price on raw content is high because they can chop and change that and use that indefinitely and I had a brand that didn't want to pay for that which is absolutely fine they don't have to they'll get their their polished videos but they were very sneaky and they tried to get around it by saying they was going to add their own text because they wanted to use a specific font but it actually turns out that they just wanted to use the video to chop and change and do what they wanted with it and I think brands forget that the UGC community is very close-knit and very they talk a lot we all talk a lot we are all friends and we're all trying to help each other so I had spoken with other creators that I'd worked with them and I, I know that the reasoning they were giving me was 
bogus it wasn't it wasn't correct so yeah so it's not just about like what they're doing on their end of things it's also about how they treat you and that's one thing to always be mindful of is what is there an ulterior motive to what they're trying to do and or trying or they're saying to you Damn, I did not see that one coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I guess I hope that there are more good fish than the bad fish. Yeah, mm-hmm. there really are. I in the whole scheme of things, I think I've worked with oh, we're pushing p- past 40 brands now, maybe two or three. Two or three I've had slight niggles with one that one example that was obviously a bit more, but everybody else has been absolutely lovely and I love all of my clients individually and yeah, it would not put me off working with them ever. That's so nice to hear. Very encouraging. But you on your TikTok, you have mentioned UGC scams before. Do you want to get into that? I mean, it's a hard one. Some people would say it's hearsay, but they're on Twitter. There are a lot of brands popping up and they're asking creators to fill out forms of very personal information. That is, why would they need that information? There's absolutely no need that they would need the information. They don't what have... What kind of information? So, like, all of your addresses, your personal details, just information that, like, they would not need. for a, To hire a creator, you do not need that information. You need you, you need their address when, you're, when you have a specific product to send to them, of course. And maybe you need their telephone number to be in contact with them. But these forms are extensive. They're asking for all of their links and, like, addresses up front and just details that you you know you need to be a bit more mindful when you're giving out you shouldn't be giving out your address unless there's a contract in place and that, yeah and you know there's a few theories that they are you know this data is just captured and sold on to different places different agencies because you know people want to buy that information that's valuable information for people um so you know nothing is confirmed and I don't want to start any rumors and everything but it's just about being mindful about what information you're giving over and being sure that you're giving your information to the right people like do they have a legit website do they have a social presence themselves you know all of this type of stuff again did not see that one coming (laughs) (laughs) I feel like myself and maybe the listeners as well we don't know a lot about this space so is it still like the wild west times of UGC content yes I mean anything goes right now to be honest it's such a new sub industry of like influencer social media marketing like if you search the UGC hashtag six months ago it was all these like gamers and stuff it was it was not UGC as we know it now and in six months it has come on so far but really people are setting their own rules you know we're chatting together and thinking okay we could raise our price we should be setting this price and and some people are like oh I don't know there's there's no widespread clarity so yeah there's there's a lot going on and people see the opportunity in that one they see the opportunity yeah I could make loads of money being the creator but then on the other side there's people seeing that as an opportunity is hmm we could do something dodgy here and yeah so it's very much like the wild west out there (laughs) you mentioned that the UGC community is very tight-knit from brand's perspective if everyone goes ahead and raises their rates good news for the community maybe bad news for the brands who have to pay more from a brand's perspective I feel like is it like the UGC mafia? I wouldn't say that because the brands have the ultimate decision. They don't have to hire a creator. If they have an expense, you're always going to have creators with lower rates. That's just, you You always have with low and high rates. And you're always going to have creators that should be offering a lower rate, charging a higher rate. You know, you're always going to have that. And it's down to the brands to pick and choose between that and to make that decision of whether it's worth the investment. But I think brands need to understand that 
the return that they can get from these videos, specifically paid ads, they could ask a creator to make a, they might pay £150 for a video. They could make thousands from that one video. And I think that's what they need to understand and they need to take into consideration. And that is what we're charging for. We're charging for our skill. We're charging for our time. But then we're also charging a percentage, basically, of what we are earning you. And that's just how life goes. So, you know, and brands have to make the decision ultimately. That's true. Let's get into the juicier part. You mentioned that it's, you can make a lot of money. You can make bank, you can make tens and thousands. How does one go ahead and set their rate? It's all down to your one confidence. I started charging for, I think, I think my very first client was, what was it? I think I charged about 10 pound a video, way too low. It took me way too much time to be charging that low. And I steadily increased them. Every few clients I got, I was like, right now, my skill is improved now. I'm making much better videos. So I slightly increased and I increased it now. I feel like I'm at a rate that I don't really want to increase it. I feel like I'm at a point where it's one, affordable for brands. It's two, I earn a good amount. I'm more than compensated for my time and my efforts. And then three, I just... I don't want to take the mic. You know, people see the pound sign and they're like, ching, ching, I can make loads of money. Let's just keep, oh, these people are paying it. So let's just increase, increase, increase. And I just don't feel that way. And I'm very happy with my earnings, like where they've got to. And yeah, maybe in a year, I'll think, okay, I'll increase my rates because then I could be more selective with who I'm working with. But it's really down to an individual creator. Some creators do take do an online course in UGC that a creator's offering, do a few slides and then think, yeah, I'm going to charge £100 for a video now. And unfortunately, it just doesn't you can, but you you might not, you know, the lot, with the long-term plan in mind, you, you might not be sustainable that way. Mm-hmm. How much does it cost you to make a video? Like thinking of like all the equipment that you have, the time it, you have to put into it, like I mentioned before, hair and makeup. Of course, it's it's sustainable and it pays the bills in a really good way. But how much does it cost you to make it? You know, I've not really figured out the exact amount that it costs you know you could factor in my wi-fi and you could factor in me getting the latest phone but in my opinion I was always going to have them things anyway and I was always going to be paying for my makeup and I was always going to be paying for all of these things and so I don't personally factor that in the charge the, the costs that I do factor in are if I need a specific prop in the video but if I do need a specific prop I pass that charge on to the client because I shouldn't have to fund props Um, that always gets cleared by the client first I make sure that they're happy to do that and if they are then like hey ho let's go but um really that's all and a tripod if you need you don't need a tripod for you you see this is a big misunderstanding you don't need a ring light and you don't need a tripod because you use your phone you can hold it you can prop it on something and do a voiceover and you've got natural lighting so really you can make it as high tech or low budget as you want really i feel like it's such a misconception that all these creators have like fancy studios i mentioned before that i'm doing this podcast in my studio i am my studio is a corner of my bedroom and i'm looking at a pile of laundry that is just over my camera at the moment so i do agree you don't need a lot to start you don't need that fancy tech it doesn't have to be fancy like use what you have and yeah when you start earning more you might want to upgrade something you might want to get a microphone or you might want to get specific outfits that you wear in things if you're trying to go that route but you don't need to you can really do this with the best minimum and the basics 
Absolutely. Just one question from a brand's perspective. How do users see UGC content versus paid ads? I have a feeling that it's it's the same, but it's different at the same time because it's still a paid product placement. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it still gives off the feeling that it's it's more real, it's more natural, it's more believable, but it's still a paid ad yeah. in a sense. So, I mean, UGC is kind of like an umbrella like an umbrella term I look at it you then you have paid ads and then you have organic content the organic content is more it fits in with the TikTok feed or if or the platform that it's being run on it fits in with the feed it feels like somebody just whipped it up and was like oh let's say for example I had a can of I don't know coke or whatever and I was using it in a video and like miming some words to a trend people know they know that that brand has paid someone to make that video but it feels natural because it blends in whereas a paid ad it has one goal in mind and that is to convert people whether that's converting them into a follower converting them into a paying customer and it's very different you use whereas organic is building brand awareness it's just getting the product in front of people and make and subconsciously they're seeing it everywhere they go with a paid ad it's working on that and it's it's showing the benefits that this product has on someone's life and it's highlighting a problem they have by not having this product and then specifically saying this will solve that for you go and buy it so it's more direct like people know it's an ad but it still feels real because it's a normal human it's not a paid actor being all false and and rigid they blend but they have very different goals and they do have different impacts on people they do Mm -hmm. that's true because i feel like we're getting so creative with ads but you still know it's an ad versus if you have just someone who fits in the vibe of the product that they're selling it just really has a different impact on the user you also have a series on your tiktok i guess i would call it a series but advice that you regret giving so maybe you want to talk about some mistakes that you've made along the way so anyone listening can maybe avoid those same mistakes that you've made yeah. So one of my big things was really shoving how much I was earning as a TikTok creator down people's throats because I feel like it puts so much pressure on creators to be earning high amounts right away. And that is one big thing I see at the minute. People throwing out there, oh, I just earned 10K this month. I just earned 15,000. I just got paid 2,000 for one brand deal. And the newer creators are seeing that and being like, oh my God, why have I not got that? I've just, I am in my first week and I've not landed a £2,000 client. It doesn't work like that. And you don't, yeah, someone said, oh, I just landed a £2,000 deal. But what are they doing for that deal? Like, is that 20 videos? Is that one video? Like, what is that? And I've, I've done it. I've done it myself. And that is specifically things that I regret. I regret putting things out there and putting that pressure onto people and then other regrets specifically to actual videos I've made I've regretted rushing things not taking the time to actually learn what makes a good ad what makes a video convert and learning basic skills like basic like even like with a say a voiceover if I'm doing a voiceover now something I do is I trim the gaps either side of the voiceover originally I was just leaving them and there was chunks missing in like if it's just for a second, that's a second of wasted attention span, basically. It's just really paying the attention to the videos and, and like developing your editing skills and all of that and not rushing things and then also not letting the pressure get to you and being under pressure to be hitting these really high earning months in your first few weeks or months even. I would add to that that you mentioned before, join the community to get that good advice, the advice that you actually need mm. from the community. 
there's a massive community and everyone is trying to help each other. It's one of the most welcoming communities I've ever tried to join or tried to be involved. Um, everybody just wants to look out for each other. Not everybody, but majority just wants to look out for each other. It really helps brand, keep brands accountable because people are sharing in there. OK, if you're working with this brand, be careful of this because this is what has happened to me. So just like being aware there's group chats and everything. there's a Slack channel for creators to join. And there's Twitter conversations and everyone's just talking. And it, it, sometimes you have a newbie come in and they're like, oh, I don't know how to do this. And then there will be a flood of help given to them. So, yeah, it's a really close-knit community and people are friends and they talk about friend things so it's not just about UGC like they talk about everyday life as well it's just yeah it's a really nice community to be part of that is really really surprising because I really thought that this would be like a competitive space like I'm going to lower my prices to get this client you ask 150 I'm going to ask 125 from this client it's really good to know that there's less competition than I originally thought it was going to be yeah if anything it's trying to raise our standards I think with you know influencers and stuff you see all the time that they how they get taken advantage of especially like by their by their managers and by brands and stuff with UGC it's all about setting we're trying to set those standards as early as we can so that it doesn't get to a point where we're like guys we're being severely underpaid and nobody's taking us seriously we're trying to set the standard from the get-go and I see that across the board That's sweet. But do you need a manager if you're a new GC creator? Absolutely not. You don't need to. Uh, you can work with agencies there. They can be a good way to get your first clients if you partner with an agency. You will often find that your rate is lower working with an agency. That's my experience anyway. And some agencies will promise a lot of work and you might not actually get anything. But if you find the right ones, there are a few, you know, diamonds in amongst there. So if you, yeah, if you get the right one. Go for it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. But very exciting news from your side this week. You have an agency. You've started your own agency. You want to talk about that? I do. I have started my own agency. So, yeah, I basically have started Hot Tea Creative. Um, don't ask me where I got the name. But <laughs> I think I was drinking a cup of tea at the time. It was like, that will work. Um, <laughs> I basically started my agency because I wasn't having a great deal of success working with agencies I found they were wasting my time they were lowballing me they were not giving me any work they didn't really care about me and a lot of them what I found was male dominated and by agencies that have never been on TikTok they don't have their own presence on any socials they were just appear they just had a website and they didn't have They, you didn't know who it was and how can they be asking cre creators to create good content if they don't have that experience themselves so I saw a gap there and I just thought creators deserve better I think creators deserve to have somebody that understands the industry understands how long it takes someone to do something how long it takes to create a video how much planning goes into it and also I saw a lot of agencies taking on board hundreds of creators see so If you're working with that agency, you're competing with so many different people and like trying to get work, like hundreds of people trying to get one job. And for my agency, I work with a really select few creators, got about three or four creators. And when a brand comes to me for work, I dish it out evenly amongst myself and those creators. And only if one of the, if, like say the brand needs a specific demographic or, or needs a specific race or something like that, that they're trying to target or whatever, I would only then look outside of my agency to find a suitable creator for them and um, everything's 
stays in-house to the creators that work with me know that they're going to get secure work and that they are first choice, basically. That's really nice to hear. That's really admirable. Are you looking to partner with new creators? At the moment, I'm not. Well, I'm always open. I'm always open for creators to reach out. And if someone really stands out for me, then yeah, I am, I am open to that and I will take them on. I don't just look at someone being the best in their field. I look at someone that is going to be able to be coached by me and to be trained by me because that's something I really focus on. Um, I know that my ads work and I want to pass that on to my creators. So as long as the, like there's a whole range of things I look at, it's not just about the ads that they've done, but about how much they're willing to learn and take on board from me. But are you looking for new brands to partner with? I'm always looking for new brands to partner <laughs> with. Always looking for brands. Um, I'm quite select with who we do work with. I have to get a good vibe from them. I have to know and trust their product works and is suitable for a creator. I will never pressure a creator to work with a product that they don't align with. And so I'm always open to discussions with brands to see if they would be a good fit. And if they're not a good fit, I'm still interested in talking to them. You know, I want to learn the industry as a whole. I want to I want to learn what brands are looking for. And even just jumping on a session with them just to understand that, I'm always open to that. But yeah, we're always looking to take on additional brands. And I can always help like assist with finding creators that would align with them if that was what they wanted. So, so if anybody's looking to use you in their UGC or content strategy, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram. I am currently in the process of getting our Instagram account properly functioning for the actual agency. I have found that, you know, the brands really that we're trying to work with because we offer TikTok management. We don't just offer content creation. We actually offer TikTok management itself. I find that a lot of them brands aren't on TikTok already. So I we're not interested in running our own TikTok account just yet. We're focusing on Instagram that are for brands that are looking to transition to TikTok. So you can find us at Hot Tea Creative on Instagram. And also sometimes you can just message me directly. Um, and my handle is content coach Lucy, sorry. Yeah, so they can find me via there or I do have a website and that's just hotteacreated.co.uk. And all of the links, of course, are in the show notes. So give Lucy a holler if you have some business to give her. And if not, just go show her some love and engagement on <laughs> social media. We all, as a creative mind, we always appreciate any engagement that we can get. All right, I think we can wrap it up here. I definitely learned a thing or two or 50 about the UGC space. And I feel like anybody listening can definitely agree with me. So I speak for everybody when I say thank you so much, Lucy, for taking the time to be on the show today. And if we have any questions, we will definitely reach out to you, won't we? Yes. Thank you so much for having me on here. <laughs> thank you, Lucy. It was a pleasure. And thank you to everybody else who has been listening so far. And we will, of course, catch you all next week. <laughs>